Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. Hello, welcome to Prevention Hacks. We've got Dr. Martina Lavery. Welcome, Martina. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. And I've got my co-host, Saxon. So, Dr. Martina Lavery, you're a... uh, a close friend, and thank you for looking after our family as as a dentist. Um, My you pleasure. Are a gen- general dentist, um, but also specialise in uh, children's dentistry and cosmetic dentistry. Um, and I know that you're always thinking about preventative health, um, looking after everything in uh, in the mouth and with your teeth um, is often um a a good sign of looking after yourself more more generally so we're really excited to have you on the show today thank you for having me i'm excited to be here so our first question always is um what does preventative health mean for you and how does it apply in your field well look i think um preventative health is so critically important and particularly in these times that we're living in at the moment we can see the link between um you know dental health and general well-being and i thought i would just focus more on what preventative dentistry is and i think really the practice of preventative dentistry is just keeping your teeth as healthy as they can be and caring for your teeth to keep them healthy so that it avoids dental cavities, gum disease, um, enamel wear, and also the systemic presentation of oral disease in the mouth. Um, There are very simple measures and simple ways that you can um, look after your teeth, um, such as brushing your teeth daily. Um, So, you know, there is a very simple message that brushing your teeth daily with a fluoride toothpaste, particularly at night, is one of the critical ways of looking after your teeth and avoiding dental disease. Um, I do need to stress that it is really important to add fluoride in there. Fluoride toothpaste, I probably think that this will be a little bit controversial. We have people who you know, are very pro-fluoride and against fluoride, but the studies do suggest that there is a very, very strong link with the use of fluoride and the prevention of uh, dental disease such as decay. Um, I did work, um, I'm from Ireland, as you know, and I did work in the UK in two areas of very low socioeconomic areas where there wasn't fluoridation in the water. And there wasn't a week in those two years that I practiced as a young dentist back then where I didn't refer off three and four year olds to have a full clearance of their teeth before the age of five. So they were going to school with no teeth, just gums. 
So I think um, for me, I've seen firsthand the destruction of dental decay without the advent of fluoridation. And I think it's really important. So I, I won't be the dentist for everyone, but I really strongly believe seeing it firsthand, the damage that it can, um, you know, allow dis disease really to progress in the mouth. Um, the other way is obviously, you know, when you're just brushing your teeth, you're really only cleaning 60% um, of the tooth surface. So I like to explain to patients that the tooth has five surfaces. It has the surface along the lip, it has the surface along the roof of your mouth or your tongue, and then it has the biting surface. So when you brush your teeth, you really look after those three surfaces. But when you don't clean between your teeth, so you have two surfaces between your teeth, and if you're not flossing or using um, an interdental brush or a water pick, you're not cleaning those last 40% of the tooth. So daily flossing is recommended as well. And then of course, you know, seeing your dentist um, every six months um, for preventative care, picking up problems when they're small and when they're easy to treat, and just opening up conversations about how you can put preventative measures in place. And naturally, you know, with all um, issues with health, eating a balanced diet. So having a good diet that is nutritious, that's clean, and um, of course, trying to be um, as low in sugar as you possibly can, not just for dental health, but, you know, we know sugar is, it's the next cocaine really, isn't it? It's so highly, highly addictive. And um, it's linked to so many degenerative chronic diseases and dentistry and the health of your mouth is no different. That's great. By the way, I still think of you as a young dentist. So, um... Oh, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Brownie points for you. I'll give you some local anesthetic and be more gentle next time when you come to see me. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I read somewhere that cavities may be still the, the biggest disease in the world. So certainly, yes, so um, I actually have some statistics and it is um, one of the most common diseases. It's one of the most common chronic diseases, yeah. um, particularly in the pediatric field. It's actually more common than asthma. Wow. And, and, and uh, we don't look, people just don't think of dental disease as a disease. You know, no one really yeah. thinks um, when you get a hole in your tooth that it's disease. We have this philosophy of just separating out the teeth from the mouth and even from the body. Mm. And we just think, oh, that's a hole. But, you know, if your child was diagnosed with asthma, you would probably be more inclined to tr take that more seriously as a disease. Mm. And um, yesterday I had a child who came into the clinic and they had two cavities and the mum, you know, was saying that they're just recently diagnosed with asthma. And I was just reading an article during the week where there was a study of 7,000 kids in the UK. And there was a very, very strong link between dental decay and asthma because um, potentially through the actual swallowing of bacteria into the lungs, but also um, through that bloodstream route where there's increased inflammation. So I, I like to think of dental disease and body disease as very intimately linked. And I think um, at the source of all of the problems is inflammation. So mm. bacteria, the body tries to mount a response. 
to try to get on top of that, which then, you know, mounts an inflammation response. Um, when we're injured and when we have an acute problem, it's really important that we have inflammation because inflammation is one of those ways, like inflammation is amazing. The body's ability to heal itself, I find is really fascinating. Mm. Um, you know, it's acute, like, so when you cut yourself or you have an infection in your finger, um, you know, you, there's such a cascade of um, protocols that happen in the body that um, allow that to heal. So that's acute inflammation. But what we don't want is chronic inflammation. When that process of healing, and I like to just say to patients, you know, it's like you're on fire. It's like your body's hot. And we're really trying to dampen that down and try to get you, you know, just cooler. And um, it's when that chronic inflammation takes over the body mm. um, that we find that there's a breakdown in all the body systems and the mouth is no different. Um, and particularly, you know, the research coming out of the UK where we're finding that, you know, poor dental health has been implicated in COVID um, susceptibility. Um, the most recent study um, coming out of the UK, I mean, there's a lot of information coming out of the UK and Europe, not so much Australia at the moment, mm. but, um, you know, it's actually been linked to infertility. Um, there are inflammatory markers that have been sourced from the mouth that are actually contributing to in male and female infertility. So I hope in the years to come that we will have a more integrated approach um, a more multidisciplinary approach to preventative health, um, um, where we can see doctors and dentists aligning themselves together and working for the better um, of the patient and patient outcomes. So that's really what I would like to see happening um, in my practicing lifetime. I would really like to be able to pick up the phone to a doctor and I mean, I, I do it all the time. I'm probably a real pain in the butt, actually. Um, I'm probably not well liked by most of the GPs in the area because I am a little bit neurotic and a little bit fussy, actually. Um, if I feel that there's something going on in that patient's mouth that could be related to their overall well-being, I immediately pick up the doc their phone to the doctor and the doctor will go, um, you know, stick to the teeth. And I say, well, yeah, but sometimes we've got to think outside the box for the well-being of this patient. And, you know, even just this year, I've picked up a leukemia in someone um, that, you know, we just need to do a blood test because um, my main thing, and, you know, we can talk about this later as well, but, um, you know, gums, healthy gums don't bleed. Mm. That that's just doesn't happen. Um, you, you, you should not have any bleeding in your gums. If you have bleeding in your gums, you have gum disease. So now, that's a sign, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're brushing your teeth and you see some blood, then you're obviously not flossing enough, right? That's, that's, that's what my right. dentist is telling Or your me. technique may not be good. Yeah. So a lot of people think, oh, but I brush every day. or, But you must be brushing in the correct manner as well. You know, a lot of people brush their teeth with their mouth closed. I mean, that just, I, I don't understand that. How can we access all of the areas of your teeth. I mean, the most critical part of your tooth to brush is where it aligns with the gum. Because I like to think of that gum area as like, it's almost like a little duvet, you know, the bacteria are sitting in underneath, snuggled in underneath, not wanting to get out. Then we put the bristle of that brush down into that gum line. And um, 
suddenly it's disrupted and it's removed and the gum can get cleaner. So a lot of people actually believe that they're brushing too hard when their gums are bleeding and they stop brushing, which then manifests the disease. You know, it just perpetuates that disease further. So, um, yeah, bleeding gums, I think, is one of the most misunderstood um, concerns with patients. And um, also um, the other uh, problem is you know if you see some chronic ulcers in the mouth you know recommending for the gp to take a few blood tests and even you know some sinister things in the mouth you know asking the doctor to run like um like serology for inflammatory markers and ana markers and things like that they often come back you know that they can have pemphigus or rheumatoid or you know it's it's, it's we have to we have to get this approach where we have to be more integrated and my hope would be that during my career, we see this happening a lot more because yeah. I think that patient outcomes um, will be much better. I, I love that, Martina, what you're saying, which is um, understanding, accepting and promoting that link between oral health and the rest of the body. Um, yeah. We see it, as you say, that there's mounting evidence. Um, I, I did a lot of Absolutely. work in diabetes and, you know, Fasting yep. and brushing your teeth in diabetes is so critical to to good um, sugar control, um, and and it's at now on our on a, all of our checklists that we put in place for for yep. anyone with diabetes or even diabetes risk, um, and then yep. having that integrated approach. I, I think being annoying is a good it's a good thing if it um, helps yeah. us bat for you the know pressures. I'm annoying, Kevin. So, you know <laughs> no. I bring that food to my mouth no. as well. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we we need to be working together to to form that integrated That's right. approach. And, you know, I think. There has been this absolute separation of dentists and medics, you know, um, in the UK and in, in Belfast where I trained, we trained with the medics for four years. So it's mm. a five year course and one year, like six years in total. So we had one year as a mentorship, but for four of those years, we trained with the medics. Um, we know a lot about the body. I, I don't think it's quite the same in Australia, but I really feel like our, um, Medical knowledge um, is my, my medical knowledge. I feel is quite good, and I think it does help patient outcomes. Um, and also, I think there is this philosophy that you know dentistry and and uh, medicine. It's like never the twain shall meet. You know, we've had this historical separation. The training pathways are different. The funding pathways, the or the health messages are different. Yeah. And I think that you know it's not just up to individual practitioners. It's up to public policy, and um, all our guiding bodies to actually start to think differently, and um, think a little bit more with an evolving mindset. Um, how we can actually achieve better outcomes for our patients. I actually love when a patient comes back to me after six months and they don't need any treatment after a long, long, you know, road of um, intervention. So that's the goal, not mm. to do treatment, to avoid treatment. Anyone can pick up a drill. You know, anyone, can, we've got a piece of paper on the wall to say, oh, you can do this filling, you can do this root canal, but wouldn't it be better not to do it in the first place? Wouldn't it be better to have public health messages out there that actually yeah. have a preventative philosophy and try to get um, patients to be healthier and and overall well-being to be at the top of the list rather than, you know, dreading having a dental filling done because they actually didn't know why they were getting a dental filling in the first place. Absolutely. I think the, the health budget, only 1.6%, um, someone told me, 
uh, of our total amount of funding, private and government funding that goes into healthcare, is 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 for prevention. So the rest of it often is is there when we react to when there's already symptoms and disease. That's and right. Issues. Yeah, it's so, treating symptoms. That's mm. right. Well, um, you you probably have touched on it with toothbrushing, but what are what are two or three things that you would wish every patient does or every family you know uh, does before they come and see you? This is a hard one, actually. Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm getting back to the brushing again. Um, I don't think that you can undo two years of not brushing with a five-minute brush before um, you come and see me because, you know, you can see that the gums are already very You can tell, right? Saxon and I were talking. Yeah, we were talking about this. Dentists really yeah. see into your soul because they yeah. ask you and then you can't – you can't lie, can you? Well, you always feel That's like right. you're, you're about to fail an exam when they bring out the dye it's when they it's when you guys bring out the dye that you know you're in trouble there's no hiding from the disclosing no. solution is there no, the dye is yeah I, I live in fear of the dye yeah. on that um yeah. on that question when you get a visual on on where you're not brushing or where the inflammation is you can't unsee it right yeah it's in black and white evidence yeah yeah, yeah. and i that think the question... other thing that is is a little bit frustrating for us is that um and I, I don't want to talk about public policy and health funds and things like that but i think a lot of patients you know they really feel that you know they've got health insurance and it's going to all be covered and i think that the main um, it's misleading and also um you know really for dentistry it is truly auxiliary cover so i think you know if you have health insurance you have it for a reason for if you're hospitalized and those are the things that you know become very very expensive in australia it's important to have it for that but in terms of dentistry you know i i think we're offended on a daily basis actually um i don't know so much about it as um, my support staff and my team but you know sometimes it can be absolutely appalling the rebate that's given so i think also for patients to um realize that you know it, it's not health it's not um, covered completely by a health fund. So huge out of pockets and, and surely, you know, huge. more more checkups now prevents the root canal or the, the more expensive That's treatments right. later in life. Yeah. That's I kinda, right. Kind of feels and, you to know, me like you. When I first came to Australia 20 years ago and we um, were, you know, treating patients initially, there were actually a few health funds that actually had um, well-remunerated um check up and clean and, um, and and actually bite wing x-rays. So bite wing x-rays are the little x-rays that you take on the side of your mouth, the patient bites down on them, and they are fundamental in um, diagnosing small cavities. Hmm. So they were all actually covered by health funds back then, 20 years ago. Um, but sadly now, you know, that, that, that um, protocol and that policy has really changed. And so, I, I think that that is really misleading for patients. They think that it's all going to be covered, but it truly is just auxiliary cover. And um, yeah, I think it's 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 just a shame that um, patients are misled. I think. Uh, I got a question. So um, you mentioned before about um, being more connected with um, medical profession, with doctors, and, and a more holistic approach. Um, what about if you've got a dentist who maybe hasn't 
got that view and doesn't think that way and is just doing their job. So what should patients be thinking about? What should they be looking out for as something for them to manage it proactively if they come and see you? Is it, you know, are there things they should be thinking about that maybe it's not just about their mouth and they should be seeing a doctor as well? So I think um, you generally, you know, get a gut feeling if you're being well cared for, I think. Um, and, and maybe not everyone is, I, I think we as patients and as practitioners, we find our tribes, I think. And not everyone, not even patients are really converted to this idea that dentists should be looking for, you know, signs of inflammation in the body or potentially diabetes. Um, but, you know, I think um, it, it's important that you feel as a patient that you are supported and I think asking questions. So if you have questions about your health um, and you feel that they're being answered adequately um, and asking about, you know, where their area of interest is. So you might have a dentist who's just interested in orthodontics and aligning the teeth and getting the bite right. And they might not be so interested in gut health or, you know, how it's integrated in the body. So um, I think just asking the questions and being aware yourself that there are dentists who do view the mouth as part of the body and that you probably will have better health outcomes and long-term dental health, um, having a dentist who is a little bit more understanding about um, the link being holistic, I think, because people come yeah. with lots of different organs and lots of different um, That's right. uh, things that are connected. We know that, for example, physical exercise is so good for your for your mental health. Um, these days, the, um, that as a lifestyle prescription is as as um, powerful as some of the medications that we can prescribe in in, in mental health. Um, That's right. So yeah, understanding that. Um, so we're not existing as silos. Um, you know, we're we're holistic people um so everything's connected yeah um, and you know i, I do find I, and you can tell when someone changes over to a dentist that is different mm. um because i have always like even whenever i was coming here and some of the nurses that i'd work with they were casual you know uni students and then they would work with me and they go, oh, okay. Um, you know, I immediately will check when the patient comes in. We obviously have a talk, see what the priorities are, what the problems are. And then when we go into the examination, I think it's really important to do a full head and neck exam, um, you know, palpating the, the joint, the TMJ. So I think really as a dentist, I work in the head and neck and then the body um, and the teeth actually are the last thing that I'm thinking of because I know that I can treat any tooth. I know I can drill any tooth. I know I can veneer any tooth. Um, but I think that they are actually the last thing on my checkup. So my scheme of examination starts with the joint, the TMJ, just in front of the ears there, and making sure that that's moving well and is free from disease. And then, you know, palpating the muscles because people can hold a lot of tension in their muscles of the face, the master muscle, the temporalis muscle, which are the big muscles for chewing. And that can have really serious implications on how much someone is going to wear their teeth and, um, you know, fracturing teeth or having sensitivity or wearing away the roots of their teeth. 
Um, and then, you know, we move on to the gland exam. So you have lots of glands that are responsible for picking up any foreign bacteria and disease fighting processes in the mouth. So under the chin, underneath, you know, under the ear. And um, then we move into the oral cancer screening. So we screen for cancer at every appointment because it is actually something that's um, prevalent in the Australian community. And um, then we move on to gum screening. So we have a gum, gum screening index that we use um, to check the health of the gum, the bleeding, the separation of the gum from the tooth, which is a pocket. And then lastly, we look at the teeth and then we come up with a plan. So I think, you know, if we are looking at all of the structures associated with that examination, then we will um, be able to identify any early problems of, like, say, joint degeneration or, you know, any sinister mm. things going on in the mouth that the patient might not be aware of. Mm. We see, we see, for example, um, uh, uh, patients with kind of sore TMJs, as you say, and often there's that grinding and, and yes. the, uh, underlying level of stress. And just another example where teeth can be linked to, you know, the overall well-being as well. Um, Absolutely. Are there things and that... And particularly um, at this time, you know, yeah. we're going... I think this is, I mean, to use that term unprecedented, but it is, it's, it's a very um, troubling time for a mm. lot of people. There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety just floating around. And patients can come and they really think that they've got a sore tooth. But when we do the exam and we think outside the box, we actually find that it's muscle tenderness. Mm. And, you know, just putting strategies in place where that can be managed. Um, you know, I think we have to probably think that, you know, our muscles of our face are actual muscles. They're not, um, like, it's not just flesh and skin. Like, I think when we talk to patients and say, you know, do you realize that these are muscles? Like, if you feel your muscle and if you bite down and feel your muscle and feel it clenching, it's really just like your abs mm. or your calf muscles. You can get a cramp, you can build it up, you can, you know, make it slack, you can loosen the tension in the muscle. So, um, having that view of it's not just going to be teeth is very important as well. Right. Looking looking forward, Martina, um, how will dentistry change over the next, say, five years or so? Um, uh, I know you said, you know, your wish is for it to be a lot more integrated with, with GPs and other parts of the health system. Um, but what do you think will be different for, for patients and their experience when they come to see a dentist? Um, I think a lot of it will lie with technology. Um, technology is advancing, you know, very rapidly. Um, look at us today, you know, we're having this chat through Zoom. Um, so I think that there will be some room um, for telehealth, teledentistry. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, that's very limited in terms of what can actually be um, treated and carried out. But I think maybe just having that connection with patients and um, being able to advise them and just having a consultation and how to triage and how to manage a patient may be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I think the advent of digital dentistry. So, you know, we've seen such a huge difference in um, the way that we take 
diagnostic images such as x-rays. I mean, that used to be in a, a room, dark room where you use solution. Now, you know, we wouldn't yeah. dream of doing that. We have digital x-rays, which, you know, are very, very specific, very high resolution. They give us a lot of information. And, um, you know, I think also just the advent of um, like a CT scan to check for pathology, like infections in roots and swellings. So I think that will be a big change. Um, I think also it's a very, very exciting time to be a practitioner, whether it's um, general medicine or dentistry, because I think we're living in an era where there's huge advances in microbiology. So I think that we are going to understand disease processes better. Mm -hmm. And I think we're also going to be able to um, you know, treat inflammation and problems with the mouth with the use of probiotics. There's so much studies, uh, many, many studies going on at the moment um, regarding um, the use of probiotics in dentistry to help with you, um, your microbiome in your mouth and how that affects the health of your mouth and the bacteria in your mouth. And then obviously the association with the gut. So I'm hoping, you know, we're all aware of the gut brain axis and the microbiome, but I'm really excited that we may well know more about the oral microbiome and how that's going to impact the well-being of the body as well. So does that mean um, we should be uh, taking more um, gut health pills, you know, like your cult and what's the pill you take for well, look, I think we have to go to the evidence base. Um, I mean, in studies, um, and dare I say it, your cult has actually no clinical um, application in helping the gut microbiome. It has to be specific. It has to be specific. It has to be tailored for you okay. because your microbiome will be different than my microbiome. You may have really good bacteria that you need to keep thriving and keep growing. And then, you know, I might have bacteria that are more detrimental and therefore the probiotic that you take, whether it's oral or whether it's, you know, um, topical, it's, it's really important that that is particularly specific for you. So I think it's all going to be host specific. And I think we'll see a lot more, um, like DNA sampling and uh, sampling of stools and swabbing of the oral cavity to actually come up with bespoke plans for you as a person, because our microbiome is such a diverse microbiome. It's um, so specific to the host. And I think it's really important that that's going to be tailored. So I think um, targeted um, probiotic therapy for the actual individual host is going to be something that we'll see in the future as well. I hope so. I have a real interest in gut health. And um, I think we must, must, must realize that the mouth is the beginning of the gut. So and whether probiotic we affect our gut health through the swallowing of the bacteria in the oral cavity or whether it's uptake through the bloodstream, we must waken up and we must open our eyes to the mouth being absolutely integral in integral to the health of the gut as well, which then feeds back to the brain. So I think we may then see a shift from the oral gut brain axis. And, um, you know, like we see 
it leading to depression. We see it leading to many, many other diseases. So I'd like to see that the mouth is a little bit more respected in that regard and make change um, because, we, you know, depression and anxiety is very, very um, prevalent now. And I think that if we can do everything that we can, um, and I might sound like I'm a little bit, um, you know, quacky at the moment, um, but, you know, even... No, I'm going to go and take some probiotics. Ago, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, 10, 20 years ago, certain things that we think of now as standard care were, um, you know, quite unconventional back then. So I think we have to keep evolving. We have to keep educating ourselves and we have to keep investigating and researching because it is a wonderful time to be a health practitioner in this world at the moment. There's so many advances and we can't just sit and, you know, as a dentist, to think that I would just sit and just put a filling in someone's mouth and not educate them or modify their lifestyle factors or see them more frequently or having a basic conversation, um, I really think is um, appalling. I love that. Um, thank you for being so holistic and um, uh, broad with with uh, looking at the whole person, Martina. That's um, that's wonderful. And I totally agree. I mean, these, these topics are um, gut health, uh, inflammation, they're just building in so much evidence. Um, we're Absolutely. Working, we're working on a, um, inflammation project now with, um, the university of New South Wales and a biotech company called drop bio to look at inflammatory markers in mental health, um, and looking to, to create a blood test for that. So it's, um, there's, there's such a, um, a big horizon, um, that we're at the cusp of. So, it's, it's very exciting to be moving from reactive health towards preventative health. Absolutely. I love that philosophy. And I love that you've invited me on today because I know that that's your philosophy. And, um, you know, I think it is the way forward. And there is a lot of resistance. You know, you just go to your doctor, you go and get a script for something. You're not treating the cause. We have to go back to cause. We have to go back to origin. And um, yeah, I love the way you think about medicine, Kevin. So I think you were very aligned in that way. I liked how you look, put the little cusp in there, you know, a little pun there for the cusp of the tooth. That was good. I don't, I, I'm full of dad jokes, but I, I don't even know that I do them. I, I tell Aria, as you know, um, my daughter, who that, that we're always full of these. She just rolls her eyes now. So um, I think yeah, dad jokes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. your job. <laughs> yeah. If you're not embarrassing, you're not doing your job. That's right. Well, that's that's a lovely note to to end on. Um, any any final takeaways for um, for people in the community? Um, maybe on technology, anything that any apps that you recommend that um, uh, people look at? Look, I think um, there are quite a few, um, but you know, some of the, you, we have to look at evidence. There's a lot of people just marketing um, things. So I think if we go back to the evidence base and see what's available in the literature then these um, apps and these creations will be much more effective. So I think for people in Australia, New South Wales, or if you're listening around the, you know, the nation, um, probably just going on to the Australian Dental Association website. So it's like www.ada, which is Australian Dental Association. I'm in New South Wales, so we put nsw.com.au. They have a wealth of information. Um, next month, we actually have Dental Health Week coming up. So that's on the 2nd to the 8th of August. Um, and that's www.dentalhealthweek.com.au. Um, the simple message of 
that public health promotion um, is that, you know, let's save our teeth for life. So you smile for life. So implementing those basic preventative strategies that we talked about at the beginning of the um, podcast. So brushing your teeth twice a day with fluoride toothpaste, flossing or using an incidental brush between your teeth, seeing your dentist regularly. And what we mean by that is usually twice a year, sometimes annually, depending on your risk assessment and eating a well-balanced diet. Um, and there are lots of um, programs that are running in New South Wales, we have, um, you know, teach your baby to drink from a cup. Um, that's a very important one because dental decay in kids is is really um, related to bottle decay. So, you know, if you go on to those sites and they'll direct you on to information. Um, and, and, and I think the most important thing is not listening to what someone has said on social media. I think we need to go to the evidence base we need to go what's actually tried and tested and studied. And I think, you know, just opening conversations with your dental practitioner or your doctor. I mean, um, just having a conversation can identify a lifestyle factor that could probably be contributing to a poor health outcome. And it can sometimes be simple, you know, just simply changing how you brush, how you snack, can make a huge difference to your overall health and well-being. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much um, for everything that you do. And um, we look forward to launching this maybe for Dental Week. So um, we'll get it organized. Oh, that would be good. Then. Thanks, Martina. Thanks so much for having me. I hope I've added value to your podcast, Kevin. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks.